Welcome to the Roadie Friday Podcast with your hosts, Darren Makins and Jose Escudero. Jose and I are going to sound like garbage and they'll sound great. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's the point. <laughs> cool. Yeah, my, mine always sounds the worst anyway, so it's, it's all, it's all well, good. I, listen, yeah. listen. Well, we don't, we don't have any audio guys here, so it really shouldn't matter. <laughs> no, I, I mean, like, I fix, I fix it up the best that I can, but, I mean, you know, it's, it's Zoom audio. You know, it's, it's... Yeah, for sure. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. And I haven't had any like real complaints from any audio engineers. I have a front uh, front of house buddy of mine that like he'll send me his notes about like, oh, this is like, you know, you should really put a multiband compression on Jose's voice and like, you know, take out 500. And I'm like, okay, like these are so his voice. He's gotten progressively better as we've gone through. But like the first episode, I recognized that we all sounded like dog shit. But like, <laughs> I mean, it's, okay. it's just you, you, you learn and you improve. Yeah, it is. It is what it is. But uh, Dan, we've never met in person. I'm Darren. Nice to meet you. We have it. Nice to meet you, man. Um, it's a pleasure. Do you want to tell us about how you got your start as an LD? Uh, well, it's a really long story, but the, the condensed version is in basically since elementary school, I'd been in bands. Um, I started playing guitar when I was really young. Um, started picking up more instruments and then went to school for music theory and composition. Um, I wanted to be a film score composer and then eventually switched from that to just audio production and switched from that to doing live sound. So before I graduated college, I started working for a few different venues and, um, some like corporate companies in Chicago, uh, until I, eventually just switched to lighting. Cause I got, honestly, I got bored of audio. I did some tours as like a TM front of house and just didn't enjoy audio as much as, uh, I would have liked to. I always kind of saw the, the lighting guys having way more fun and it just seemed way more intriguing to me. I just, I relate to that so hard just because like, I'll always see like front of house guys, you know, they're super serious. They're standing there, but then you'll see like, like people that are running lights. They're always like bobbing their heads and like, uh, they look like they're having way more fun. Yeah. It's definitely way more integrated with the music. Whereas audio is like the only thing you kind of do in time is maybe unmute some stuff or like hit some delays. Yeah. Uh, like delay effects, like tap the tempos for that. But the lights, I mean, it's very, um, you're, you're basically like playing a keyboard that just <laughs> happens to run lights and make the band look good. At my, the venue I worked at in Chicago, I was at the house of blues for like three or four years. You mean house of stairs and, um, house of stairs. Yep. <laughs> as everyone knows. Yep. And I had some, some leg muscles, man, after working there for so long, let me tell you. I bet. So, uh, yeah, just, just started doing lighting there and slowly picked things up and, um, you know, eventually started touring as an LD through just a, really random set of connections i mean you guys know you just kind of climb that ladder yeah talk yeah. talk to anybody and every everybody you can and just you know become friends with literally as many people as you can and eventually you'll, you'll start landing gigs yeah and you got to take the low-paying gigs too i mean oh yeah everyone oh, just yeah. kind of like expects to be making a lot of money right out the gate but that's just not how it works I yeah mean, another thing i I always like bring up to people is like a lot of people wait for the gig they want. Yeah. But sometimes you got to just get the first gig you get offered and then, you know, you know, absolutely get, get word out that you're around and then you can make it to the gig you want. Definitely. I mean, it's such a who, you know, based industry. And even if you take some gig doing a few jobs for some opening band on some small tour, you never know, like, there could be a crew guy also on that tour working for one of the other bands who works for like a massive band who yeah. likes you and appreciates your work ethic and wants to hire you. I mean, that's such a common thing. Some of the first gigs I, I was, uh, first gig I accepted was to drive merch, the merch box truck for ginger. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I ended up not, not being able to do that because COVID got that tour canceled. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
but I also got an offer one time to drive uh, volumes uh, in a bandwagon. Sick. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was <would've> fun. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the first tour I ever did, I didn't get paid. I basically made money off of uh, merch tips because I was doing merch. And uh, yeah, my first bus tour, I was getting paid two hundred bucks a week. Oof. So you got to just make those sacrifices because if if I hadn't done those, I would not be where I am today. Yeah, yeah. yeah I had another conversation with. Uh, I'll, I'll edit his name out, but. Uh him and okay. i him and i were like talking about like our first rates and stuff like that and he said he worked for a band where his first rate was like 75 dollars a day and i was like yeah i think that was about i think that was about my first rate but like it's it's kind of funny when you think about like you know at this point uh you know i make like in a few hours what i used to make in a week you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah my, yeah my my current rate i make more like day one than i did or during a week of my first tour yeah 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 same yeah for sure like definitely taking those like no no matter how you try to paint it uh no matter where you are in the business you you just you always got to start at the bottom and you, you know. always got to have like working for the local bands grinding it out in the local scene uh working at your local venue as a hand you know obviously i've tried to make that um over the course of doing this podcast i've tried to make that the theme for anybody that listens to this trying to figure out how to get into the industry you know you you got to grind it out no matter what like you're never you're never your your first gig is not going to be the guitar tech for steel panther like i'm sorry but that's not going to be your first gig uh you're you're going to be you're I don't want to, I don't want to say any uh, specifics or anything like that, but just your, 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 your first gig is not going to be the most glamorous. And And another thing to note too, like if you do just happen to get like your first gig is guitar tech for steel Panther, there's a pretty good chance you're going to get fired because (laughs) like maybe you can do the job and maybe you're competent, but you just don't have like the tour etiquette and you don't know how to live on the road. So, I mean, that's something you got to learn like, touring in a van with a bunch of smelly dudes or, um, you know, touring on some crappy bus where the, you know, the AC doesn't work or something like that. It's just, <laughs> yeah. Or like play yeah. venues where there's no green room, you know, like, yeah, you just got to start at the bottom. I mean, you could kind of yeah. tell like when you're touring with someone who didn't, like, I know a few people who have like only toured on buses, like nice buses. And those are the kind of people who, uh, just complain about stuff that people starting out would die for. So, yeah. It's it's I try not to take very small things for granted when it comes to touring on a on a nice cushy tour, you know. Yeah. Like I hope I never end up in a van again, but you know, it doesn't bother me if if I don't get certain amenities that I get now. Hell yeah. I'm not really gonna complain about it. I'll get in the van again. Like, let's fucking go. Um yeah, it same. depends on who it's with. Uh <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, obviously. The most recent tours that I've done, it's always been like, you know, you're you're guaranteed a shower every day. But like my first tour, no joke, we went five days without a shower. And yeah. it was just that's pretty normal. <laughs> it was it was tough. Like, you know, there there and and it was a stretch of like doing five or six shows in a row. And it it yeah, it was just it was tough. But yeah, I mean, sometimes like you just hope that, um, you know, if you're staying at someone's house for the night, you hope that they have a shower and like enough towels to go around. But, you know, another thing, too, is like truck stop showers are amazing and definitely not utilized as often as they should be for for bands that are still in vans. Yeah, underrated for sure. They're super nice. But like. Early in my career, like er, early, early in my career, when I wasn't making that kind of money at all, like I, I just, I, I, I get what you're saying, but I almost feel as though like there's absolutely no way that I would have been able to justify spending fourteen dollars or whatever they are on a shower. It's like I can either eat today or shower. I'm gonna eat. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I totally understand that. That was always like my my thought it was like, damn, like these twelve dollars, like <laughs> that's tomorrow's food. You know? Totally, yeah. Yeah, I've been on those ten dollar buyout tours before, <laughs> or no buyout. Or no tours. buyout. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like what you you want to get paid for the show and fed? Get the fuck out of here! Right? Can I ask you guys questions? Hell yeah, go for it. Of course. How, how do you two know each other? Uh, we fought once. How do we know each other? <laughs> you fought once. Yeah. Who won? Bad dude. <laughs> no. Um. So so Jose and I the Jose and I met we like met met on uh ship rocked uh i was a i was work i was there as a fan because there was a gig that i was supposed to work that fell through 
and my girl had already bought a room so i i she just added me to her room and then i was introduced to jose on the boat and then probably five six months later we were both working for non-point on a headline run he was the guitar tech and i was the drum tech and i mean like that was it was fuck it was a it was a great tour i loved touring with jose uh i consider him one of my best friends in this industry but i mean yeah like we actually so right after i was hired for that tour actually like i knew that jose was uh seven dust guitar tech and i saw that seven dust was coming through southeastern pa well central pa and so i hit him up and i was because i wanted to like i didn't want to like go off on a tour like you know without getting to know each other at all and so i hit him up and i was like hey uh i'm the drum tech for this tour that you're gonna be the guitar tech on do you want to like meet up and just chat for a little bit and he was like yeah i'm down for that and so right after seven dust sound check and all that stuff uh we just we hung out had it's like it's the type of conversation it uh, it, it might have been a little awkward at first but i mean <laughs> sometimes it is little chit chat getting to know each other and stuff like that but then like i think i think our friendship really solidified over the course of that uh non-point tour just you know uh a lot of alcohol involved but um i I just i I had a lot of fun touring with them and you know doing this podcast thing i knew that this was something that i would want to have jose involved in so uh from there actually that tour that tour was when we first spoke about doing a podcast uh Cause you mentioned your previous podcast experience and I was like, huh, like that'd be fun. Like yeah, yeah. I want to do a podcast. Yeah. Cause this, this is my second podcast. My first one was, uh, me kind of detailing, figuring out how the music industry worked from a musician standpoint. But then like over the course of doing the podcast, I like started transitioning into, uh, instead of being a musician into more of a tech. And so then mm-hmm. I was, uh, I was like, well, this podcast doesn't really serve a purpose for me anymore. And also, uh, I, I, I'm never somebody that does projects by myself. I always work better with like other people. And so like, I know that I team have to player, have, huh? yeah, I'm, I'm a team player a lot, but like, I'm also not somebody that likes, I, I, I don't like carrying the bulk of the weight of a project on me or like all of the weight rather. Like I like, I like sharing and I, I feel as though I'm, I work better in like group settings. Yeah, makes sense. So, and I enjoy having conversations with Jose. And mm-hmm. so, you know what? Fuck it. I'm sure, I'm sure if we recorded it and send it out into the world, there's other people that would be interested in hearing us not only have a conversation, but also learn about what we do for a living. And, you know, obviously there's a shortage of texts and there's a shortage of people in this industry right now. So if there's people that want to learn a little bit more, uh, without like embarrassing themselves and getting into the situation where like, Oh fuck, I'm in over my head. I don't know what any of this was about. Then, you know, something like this might be a perfect resource for somebody that wants to learn what we do for a living. That's, that's a really good point. And I mean, we get asked all the time about our, our careers and how we get started and how we get up to here, subscribe to the podcast. Yeah, for sure. And, and even to people who aren't in the industry, I mean, it's, a, it's a great like uh place to go to learn about what we do because a lot of people who just work like desk jobs, you know, regular nine to fives, they, they think that what we do is so crazy. And, uh, you know, <laughs> what you mean you're gone for the entire year? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, you, you pay rent on an apartment you're never in. Yeah. Or pay a mortgage or for not, a house you're not. Cause I don't. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Where are you guys geographically located right now? I'm in Austin. Okay. I live outside of Philadelphia. Okay, cool. Good old yeah. PA. Yep. Something like that. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard from bus drivers that Philadelphia is the worst city to drive in in the it's, US. It's not it's not only Philadelphia, but it's like the highways in Pennsylvania just because there's so many potholes and dude. And it's just like, you know, you're just you're just laying in your bunk and then suddenly it's just like and yeah, it's like those those East Coast dude. drives are rough. Yeah. Even though they're short. Yeah, dude. I I'm never I'm never going to forget, like on the a day to remember tour that I did, we took this, like, we didn't have a bus yet. So we took this like party bus like situation from where we were doing pre pro 
uh, at this arena in Scranton to Baltimore, the, mm. our hotel in Baltimore, dude, that was the bumpiest fucking ride mm. ever, dude. Like I could feel like my insides just vibrating the entire way. It, like, it hurt to like sit there and breathe. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah. You can always tell when you're driving through or like right outside of New York city. Cause it's just, you're, you're oh, getting yeah. slammed you into the walls, the top of your bunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't even need to look out the window. I know exactly where we are. Hey, I can tell you exactly what road you were on. It goes straight from like Scranton to Baltimore, essentially. But, um, I, yeah, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, and you said you were on a party bus. Yeah. It was like, I mean, it was just like party bus, like vehicle, but instead of, you know, it had like normal rows of seats. Okay. Just, yeah. Like it was like a party bus without the party, <laughs> just a bunch of tired roadies. Could you imagine doing a tour, like on a pop, like a proper party bus with a stripper pole? <laughs> oh God, that would be chaos. <laughs> oh man. I would love to see like a, a roadie Friday in one of those. That would, that would be that's the insane. That's the ultimate roadie Friday. People would probably yeah. die. Yeah. But the gig would still go on the next day. That's true. Yeah. We just have to, you know, wear a few more hats than normal. <laughs> yeah. Someone's going to end up doing two jobs. Jose's guitar teching for every band and doing drums too. And monitors. <laughs> that sounds about yeah, right. That's pretty much what you do anyway. So <laughs> I mean, fuck it. Why not? Yeah. Hey, double dip. You can. It would have to be all that and then no extra money. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Sorry. It's <laughs> that's, a, that's how it works. Yeah. The extra money is not in the budget, but two people died. So obviously something freed up in the budget. <laughs> yeah. It's not in the budget, but hey, we'll promise you a great gig down the road someday. Oh, dude. That's the, <laughs> that's, I, I can't tell you how many times I've fallen for that. And like, I, I think, oh, I've, I've been burned by that before. I think it was like, probably six months i just stopped listening to offers where it's like this is what i can get you now but dude just you know the spring tour it's going to be so much better and it's just like you're you're yanking my chain man like you know it's it's never going to be so much better um yeah because there's 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 one tour that i turned down where like they were uh it it was a uh, it was a support tour and and i was going to have to be the backline tech so like uh, guitars and drums, which I have no problem doing, but then they started like really getting me with like you know. Uh, unfortunately, we're the support for this tour, so you know there's not much that we can offer. And so they had a list of responsibilities, and then they 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 gave me the the rate. And oh no, I'm sorry, they didn't give me the rate. They asked me what my rate was, and I was like, look, I'll give you a fair price, but you're asking me to do a lot, so here's the price and. I didn't hear from them at all uh, again, but just they also gave me the whole like we're doing our own headline run a little bit in the year and our fan- financial situation will be a lot better. And uh, I consulted with a few other people like I work for a record label when I'm not on the road. So I have an income in between tours. And so I brought this up with my boss there and he was just like, hey, I don't think you're going to enjoy that gig because those guys are absolutely insufferable. but also." They're asking way too much out of you and just it's I'm not telling you what to do, but I would not take that. And and I'm like, okay, so you you told me to not take it without telling me to not take it. Yep. Yeah, I've been uh I've had tours drop out from under me so many times, especially when first starting out, like you get full confirmation, like, okay, you know, here are the dates, here's what you're gonna get paid, yada yada, and then like a few weeks before it starts, they're like, Oh, you know what? We're gonna like our tour manager is going to do lights instead, or, you know, just some, we're just going to go with someone else or whatever it is. And you totally get burned on that work. And I, I almost have like PTSD from it, you know, not that extreme, but just like, I don't trust anybody generally until I get like a plane ticket. I'm glad you said that or, or some other yeah. kind of confirmation. But even then, I mean, you know, stuff can still, even if it's like not intentional, someone can, I mean, look at what happened to us. Jose, like, I'm not going to drop names, but like we had, we were on tour and, um, Mm -hmm. someone in one of the bands had a family emergency and the rest of the tour got canceled. It's like a, like a seven week tour got canceled almost not even two weeks in. Yeah. We thought we were going home for the weekend. Uh, it ended up being like a month and a half before I got on the tour again. Yeah. It was, yeah, that was not fun. That was right before like the holidays too. So we knew we weren't going to get any more work. And then like I had, uh, 
COVID scare right before the, my next gig because my parents got my dad got COVID, and I was like, oh, I can't. Like, yeah, I need the work. So I just, like, yeah, oh, so I, <laughs> I just, yeah, uh, I, I remember that because I wasn't even able to like spend Christmas with them that year because of that. I was just like, my dad got COVID. I just like ran away. Yeah. I just like got a plane. I was like, all right, I cannot get sick before this next gig. Right. And I just, I, I like the fact that you said, uh, when you said plane ticket, because that's like, that's my emotional barrier, if that makes sense. Like, that's when, you know, I'll accept a gig and it's like, yeah, 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 it's fine, whatever. But I don't actually believe that I'm going or that I like, I don't believe that I have the job until the plane ticket is purchased. And for me, that's sure. like, you know, the down payment, essentially, you know, here's the down payment. We're bringing you. And right. Yeah. Yeah. I just can't tell you how many times it's happened to me where like, you know, the, the, and there's even times where I've, where I've been ghosted, where, you know, a job's been offered. And so then suddenly like the tour starts getting closer and closer. And then finally I have to hit somebody up and like, Hey man, like what's, what's going on? And they're like, Oh yeah. Uh, we're going to bring somebody else out or whatever the situation is. And like, it's fine. Just tell me so I can make arrangements to pay my bills. Thankfully, yeah, totally. I have that. I have a job in between tours and, you know, I'm not stuck and I'm not like shitting myself if a tour doesn't come up. Like it just, it is what it is. I can just, uh, all right. And then I tell my job like, Hey, so I'm sticking around a little bit longer, uh, because, uh, they fucked me. And right. It's crazy how many. Uh, not so much bands, but just management companies can kind of just string people along and be like, okay, like we might hire you. We'll let you know. And it's like, all right, cool. And then you kind of hit them up like a week or two later and they're like, oh, actually we hired someone else. Sorry. It's like, you could have given me a heads up, you know, <laughs> there's, and I've been fortunate enough at this point where I worked, I worked for like a good number of artists and dealt with a lot of management. And, um, at this point I can kind of tell like who the pros are and who the bullshitters are. And that's one of the reasons I've like, um, made some of the career choices that I have is to stick with bands that have really pro management and, you know, are not going to dick you around. Yeah. Cause it's just, it's, no one should have to deal with that. It's just not fair. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, there is a gig that I had a while. I didn't have it. Uh, so the band hired me, the band themselves hired me and then the management hired somebody else. And I guess the two mm -hmm. weren't communicating. <laughs> and so then, uh, the day after I accepted, I got, I, I, I got a phone call back from the band and they were just like, Hey, so, uh, we didn't realize that management was going to be hiring a crew for us as well. So we actually have a lot of these phone calls that we have to make, but, uh, management likes this other person's rate better. And I'm just like, you know, I, I can't fault them for that because it's like, okay, if you get a better rate with somebody else, you know, obviously you're running a business, you do what you have to do. However, just beware <laughs> that a better rate, you know, might not, you know, I'm not saying that I'm the best tech of all time, uh, but a better rate might be somebody that's, you know, somebody less reliable, I guess. Sure. Or even, um, even like, however, if you ask me again, like, don't bother asking me again, you know? Like, if you're not hiring me for this, then, like, I'm just, you know, I'm going to work for other people. So it's all about, like, self-value, you know? Like, I really learned this past year to not work for people who don't value you, not only for your work, but as a person. And, um, you know, kind of just realize your self-worth and don't, don't like, fall below that that line. Yeah, exactly. Because I ultimately, I want to, like, I want to work for people that I know they have my back. I know that I can trust them. I know that they trust me. And I mean, I don't know where I was going with that one in particular, but, you know, mm -hmm. I just I want to have good gigs. And, you know, obviously, when you're in the beginning of your career, you're just sitting there taking anything you can get. Oh, this is this is what I can get. All right, I'm going to take it. But then once you start to settle in, once you start to build a reputation, build a reputation for yourself, you know, then you can start to sit there and say, like, OK, what type of gigs do I want? And then yep, after that, sure. it's, it's setting your own value. And once, once you've yep. set your own value, then I don't want to use the word coast, but you know, you know, you know what you're worth and you know, you know what to accept and what not to accept. And especially like 
hopefully by that point you've been around enough bullshit that you can kind of start to sniff it out which dan you you've said that you clearly are an expert at at this point i wouldn't say expert (laughs) (laughs) no it's i mean it's it's the music industry obviously we the music industry is legendary for being like you know sneaky as hell but like you know know, over time you start to get better at at sniffing totally type of stuff and um it's it's like interesting how people ask like oh would you ever work for this band or this band and you know like would you ever work for your favorite band it's like well it's it's not that simple you know like sure i could work for my favorite band but like the entire crew could suck you know it could be a bunch of assholes and like their management company could be terrible so like it's very circumstantial it's not it's not as simple as like would you or wouldn't you and and even then that's kind of a loaded question if somebody were to ask me like would you work for this band and it's like well i mean i i like the way that i answer it is like i don't personally see any reason why i wouldn't but you know there there needs to be a discussion i'm not just going to like and even if it's just like somebody that's like a fan of all of these bands and they're like, you know, would you work for this band? Would you work for this band? And you no, know, ultimately, yes. Let's just say it's just like a band and you know, you you've heard good things about them. Yeah. I've heard good things about them. Uh, but it's, it's a longer conversation. Like what kind of budget can they afford? You know? Okay. The way that I can explain it to somebody that has like a nine to five job is like, you know, if they're like an IT analyst or whatever, and they just go, and then you just go like, well, would you go work for Google? And it's like, well, I mean, obviously, yes, but, you know, what, what are the benefits like? You know, how many sick days right. do I get? You know, it's a longer yeah, conversation as opposed to just yes or no. Totally. totally. We also learned a lesson, too, of uh, like I uh, last year, I, I got a text from a buddy saying, hey, like, send your resume to this email. They're looking for a lighting guy. And I did it not knowing who it was for. Um and then I got the phone call and ended up being falling in reverse. And I was kind of like, ah, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> if I had known it was this, I definitely would not have submitted my application or not application, but resume just based off of, um, you know, uh, reputation. And, yeah. you know, I've, I've seen videos of Ronnie Radke throwing microphones at his crew. I'm like, I don't want to work for someone like that. But I took the gig and it was one of the best gigs I've ever had. Oh, good. Um, then I don't need to he, beep out the name. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, no, they were great. Honestly, man, like my, my experience with, with those guys and Ronnie was incredible. And, um, yeah, it was a great tour. He, he always treated me very, very well. Very respectful. That's great. But I've, I've also like you, I've heard mixed things. And so, you know, I, I've had About me. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, the bad things were all from Jose, but yeah, he's a dick. Uh-huh. But no, um, Jose's a mad shit talker. Doesn't yeah. he does no, he's the nicest shit. person ever. No, I, I, I yeah. love Jose, but um, me too. but you know, there's the, to that point. There's like there's certain bands that you hear mixed things about, and you know, it's it's really up to you as to whether you you want to work for them or not. Now. Having said that, there's there's if you're in the beginning of your career, you might not have a choice. I should preface that with saying you always have the choice to do whatever you want to do or whatever you don't want to do. But if you're somebody who's trying to build up a reputation or something like that, you might not be in the position to where you can afford to turn down opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. But sometimes sometimes those those scary gigs are honestly the, the best ones. You know, like when you kind of leave your comfort zone a little bit and don't know what to expect, it, it can be so rewarding. Yeah, always. Uh, they can be like good learning experiences for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I didn't, I really didn't know what to um, expect going into Limp Biscuit, but like same kind of thing. That was one of the best gigs I've ever had. You know, I can, I can only imagine how awesome working for Limp Biscuit is. I will say that I have seen footage. It was sick. Yeah. I will say that I've, I've seen footage of Wes, like throwing one of his Jacksons to the, uh, to his guitar tech. And it's like, it's not even uh-huh. just like a gentle toss. It's like throwing at 60 feet. And I'm just like, there is absolutely no way I'm catching that. And especially after, yeah, yeah, for sure. After seeing the, the most recent article that came out with, uh, with Bruce Springsteen throwing his guitar at his guitar attack and it like, not, like, yeah, hit his guitar hit attack. Face. yeah. And, and I, like, I, I think I put, Whoops. I put a Facebook st- or an Instagram story out there just saying like, Hey, just so you guys know, I'm not, uh, 
gifted uh, with like hand-eye coordination. So if you throw a guitar at me, there's a 90% chance I'm dropping uh-huh. it. And it's not because I want to, it's because I can't catch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that happened um, with, uh, with Pierce the Veil. We, one of our London shows, because um, then the show with like uh, the bassist and one of the guitar players, they toss their guitars across the stage <laughs> and their techs catch it. And uh, I mean, they nailed it almost every single time, you know, like occasionally they, they'd catch a, you know, a neck to the face or something like that. Um, but one of the shows, the tech like kind of fumbled the bass and like, just like cracked the headstock in half. It was, it was done for, but I mean, the band was just like, I mean, we like, we don't blame you. That's, you know, yeah, they knew what they're getting into. Exactly. <laughs> they knew the like, risks. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, you do it so many times and surely someone's going to drop it at some point. Semi semi unrelated. Uh, the bass player for Ice Nine Kills. One of his favorite things to do was he used to hide his bass on me instead of like handing it to me. Because uh, like I was the backline tech, so I was like grabbing guitars from here, grabbing guitars from over there, and doing all this other shit. And then suddenly, like I would just turn around and Joe would be walking away from stage, and I'd be like, "That motherfucker hit his bass somewhere on stage." And so, like, we're in the middle trying to do changeover because we had three headliners, and I'm like trying to find where the fuck he put his bass. That's incredible. Like he would like that. I've never heard of that. (laughs) He would like he would like hide it underneath the riser, or like one time, like because the riser was so high, there was one time where he actually set it on top of. Patrick's drum set so like from my perspective I couldn't see it uh and then there's another time where he That's put it amazing where he put it in the lighting fixture that was behind the drummer and nice. and like I don't know to look there so like I'm so then I finally get on the radio and I'm just like uh Darren to band does anybody know where Joe put his bass and, and Joe would just respond like you gotta find it That's amazing. <laughs> I loved working for those guys. Yeah, going back to uh catching catching guitars flying around uh something that a dater member started doing is wearing cricket helmets. Yeah, so like, be like I've a seen, like, I've a seen like goalie mask. masks before, like goal uh yeah, hockey goalie this, masks. Yeah, stuff like that just to protect the face. Yeah, totally. That shit hurts. You get hit by it. Dude, yeah, those oh, things luckily, luckily I never have, but I, I can imagine. I mean, those things are heavy. It's a lot of a lot of metal, a lot of wood. I wouldn't want to catch one. So, mm-hmm. Plus, yeah, like there is a chance you could drop it and ruin a, you know, multi-thousand yeah. dollar guitar. And even, even if it doesn't hit your face, like I've heard of people who've broken like, you know, fingers and break their hands catching those. Yeah. No, thanks. No, I'll no. I'll just stay behind my lighting board. Yeah, exa- exactly. Like, I don't, I don't want, like, I didn't sign up to have anything thrown at me. Well, being in the crowd, we do occasionally get showered in beer or water. Oh yeah, that's you know, <laughs> or like a sweaty, half-torn T-shirt. Ugh, that's yeah. no th- like I'd but uh, that now, ha- that has happened to me before. Now I'm thankful for my position on stage. Like I, I don't, I don't have to go yeah. in the crowd. Yeah, you guys are lucky. <laughs> so, so uh, and, and the shows that I feel the worst for are like the super packed shows when I like you know I'll get on the radio and I'll be like. Hey, uh, front of house and lighting, just so you guys know, you're going to have a wonderful time getting to front of house tonight. And like the whole venue is like passes to elbows. There's, there's, yeah, there's, uh, like there's some venues that are just kind of notorious for, well, I wouldn't say notorious, but like you, you go in there and you're just like, yeah, this, like the Silver Springs in, um, or sorry, the Fillmore in Silver Springs, that is one of the worst ones to get to front of house because of like where it's located. It, um, and I've done a bunch of sold out shows there and it is always so hard to get to front of house because they really pack it in there. And then like, yeah, I mean, people understandably get upset when you try to shove past them. Yeah. I was just there. Uh, yeah. Front of house is just right there. Smack in the middle of the place. Yeah. yeah but there's no easy access to it. Like yeah. no matter where you approach it from, you got to go through like a thick group of people. Yeah. So, and the shortest way is like from behind them. So people just think you're trying to push past them and like, won't let you through. Well, that's, that's why I like, I always have the flashlight and I'm always waving it like that uh, on uh, like the, the listener can't see it, but I have my hand over my head and I'm going back and forth mm-hmm. with my flashlight. But that's why I always do that. And like, I even, I even make sure I buy a flashlight with like uh, a uh, strobe strobe. Exactly. Thank you. I couldn't find the word. But essentially, yep. like it's it's 
it's me signifying I'm a part of the show. Like I need to get through here. And for the most part, people move. So uh, that's it. whenever anybody asks me like, oh, what do you bring with you on tour? Uh, at least two flashlights because I'm going to break one. But and mm. that's that's the reason is because if I need to get through the crowd quickly, like I put the flashlight up above me and I make it as bright as I can and let it be yeah. known. Yeah, totally. I know you guys know all those tricks, too, but it's just. Yeah, I, I used to do the flashlight, but I, I just felt like. I don't know. I kind of felt like a bit of a dick doing it. I don't um, care. Just like shining <laughs> in people's faces. I, I understand that. Yeah. But um, I always just kind of feel like, oh, I mean, I'm a small dude. I'm pretty skinny. So it's like I can kind of weasel my way through a crowd regardless, you know, and um, the the flashlight thing's funny because I we had a front of house guy who was with one of the opening bands. He had only been mixing for like five months. So he was very, very green. And he would like shine it. He'd have his flashlight at the brightest setting on like the most obnoxious strobe going from front of house to wherever, even if the crowd wasn't that thick. Like if during there was the clearly like a lane, you could just walk through. What's that during the show? It was like during changeovers and oh, stuff. Okay. Like anytime he was like going from front of house to stage or vice versa, it's like, you really don't need the flashlight right now. Like it's not shoulder to shoulder in here. You can easily walk around people, but he was just like shining it in people's faces and, yeah, that's so, something you gotta cut that out. Like, at least have a yeah. point to it. Yeah, exactly. If you need it. I mean, I, I, I have difficulty getting through crowds, but that's because I'm like six, four, 300 pounds. So, like, no, and like, I, I know for a fact that I take up a big footprint, but like, you know, if I need to get somewhere, you know, it's not really an option. <laughs> you just gotta get a running start from the stage and just headwalk. Yeah, that's yeah. what, it's what I try to do. Just, just walk on water like Jesus, but. Walk on heads. <laughs> <laughs> so what has been your favorite gig so far and why is it Limp Biscuit? <laughs> um, man, it is. <laughs> that is such a loaded question. Uh, that, that was um, the point. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so tough to say, man. Like every gig is so great. Yeah, yeah, in absolutely. Different ways. And every gig sucks in other ways. You know, yeah. Limp Biscuit was a lot of fun. And um, I can imagine. I really hope that the stars align again, schedule wise, that I can um, work for those guys again. But I think those were the most fun shows I ever did, especially as as a lighting guy, because like uh, Fred is one of the most brilliant people I've ever met in my life, and he really knows how to just suck in a crowd's attention. You know, like he knows how to keep those people captivated, and he is so creative in every single thing he does. Like. He, he just thinks about like the smallest little minute things that will completely change the show in some way. But their shows were just like, they're like a straight rock and roll band in, in the fact that they don't play to quick or tracks, but they would just, you know, they just start playing a song, you know, and like they can extend it or shorten it or, or um, switch to another song halfway through. I mean, we wouldn't get the set list until about 30 minutes before they played. And even then, Sometimes they would not follow the set list. They would like skip songs and then come back to them or they would just like play a song that wasn't in the set entirely. And it kept me on my toes, man. Like I had to be ready for, for just whatever. And, you know, Fred would like kind of like call us out from stage and he would just be like, Hey, Dan, like light this section of the crowd. And I'd be like, uh, okay. So I'd have to, you know, do so many things on the fly, but man, those shows were fun. There's so much fun. And that tour was fun too. I mean, they're all those dudes are great. Crew was great. Yeah, that was a good time. Hell yeah! I just wanted to ask you a loaded question. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's not. It's not to belittle the other bands I've worked for. No, you know, of everybody's not. been great in their own own aspects. Every every tour has their reason why it's awesome, and then every tour has its reason why it sucks. It just it's it's the same as basically anybody that has had any job ever. Every job is awesome for certain reasons, and every job sucked for certain reasons uh the, the example that i can sure. give you was i used to i used to manage in a slaughterhouse and you know it sucked for damn um, that's metal yeah it sucked for obvious reasons <laughs> yeah i'm sure you can understand why but it was awesome because i could bring home a 20 pound box of bacon for 20 bucks like you mm -hmm. know everything has its drawbacks man yeah speaking of slaughterhouse we i did a gig with Beartooth in um sweden and the venue was a converted slaughterhouse. Amazing. So like the room that the 
the stage was in was like in it was like a big refrigerator essentially or like freezer where they kept whatever the hell dead animals or, yeah. or whatever. But because of that, there was no air circulation. That was mm. one of the hottest gigs I've ever done in my life, like temperature wise, because like the moisture and body heat would just it would just build it. It wouldn't go anywhere. So like as the show went on, it just got hotter in there. Yeah. It was crazy. Were people passing out left and right and all that during the show? People weren't passing out, luckily. Um, at least not that I, th- there might have been. I just didn't notice. But like, there were a lot of lot of shirtless, sweaty people, myself included. <laughs> so the, the the last tour that I did, we had a we we did a show, and like during one of the bands, it was stopped maybe nine times, and they had only played like eight songs at that point. And it was just because like there the room was so hot, and people were like. I think one person had a seizure because of just how hot they were. And so, Mm. and I'm not saying this to toot my own horn, but like I was walking around the room trying to like open up doors and stuff because it was, it was in a Northern city and it was cold as hell outside. And for some reason, the promoters still had the heat on in the building. Turn the heat off. Like for a show like that, when you're going to have 3000 people in one room, there's no need for the heat. And so then I went to the side uh, out one of the sides and they had like the exit sign like lit up. I tried to open the door and they were locked from the outside and I flipped the fuck out because I was like, okay, so if you have this lit up that this is an exit that people can go to should some something happen where we need to evacuate the building, they're going to come here because they see the exit sign. These doors are locked. What the fuck are we doing? And yeah, so call a fire marshal dying. Yeah. That's what they're <laughs> yeah, doing. We're dying. And <laughs> yeah, it was, it, it was, I tend to be calm, cool and collected. You know, I can stay calm in high pressure situations. I get stressed, but I can like, I have a pretty good poker face about it most of the time. But this was a moment where I lost my shit. And I mean, yeah, it's not cool. Yeah. When you're putting lives at risk, it's not it's not a fun situation. Well, I'll cut this part out, but it was the uh, it was the. uh, And so there were. Oh, yeah, I've been there before. There are there were already concerns about that day because we were like we we had no idea if the truss if the uh, if the trusses above or the uh, steel beams above could even hold our our lighting trusses. And so like Mm -hmm. we refused to set anything up until we got an engineer in there to say that it was safe. Yeah, that's not a proper venue. That's that's definitely like a like a converted. You know, they took a building that they're like, oh, this isn't getting much use. Let's make a venue out of it. Yeah, and, we can put concerts in and here. Yeah, so totally. It was just yeah. like, I mixed in that room. It sucked. Like they hit the snare and it would it would echo for like seven minutes without any reverb on it. Dude, everything <laughs> everything sucked about just that room. Trigger. And then I found out that there was a murder across the street the night before, and it's like, great, let's just bring nice. thousands of people here. Oh, and the killer was still out there, so it was like, oh, great, yeah, let's just bring thousands of people here. Fuck it, why not? He's probably at the show. He's probably a Nice Nine fan. <laughs> Spoiler alert: He was the lead singer of Ice Nine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, that's that was one of the reasons this um, this last Pierce the Veil U.S. tour was so crazy. Was we were stopping shows all the time. I mean, it was a lot of. I mean, most of the shows were sold out, completely packed, and um, you know, a lot of the the Pierce demographic is younger female fans. But there were a lot of like teenagers who got into him over COVID because of TikTok or whatever. And this was their first rock show that they had ever been to. Mm-hmm. And you could see it, man. It was kind of scary. I mean, a lot of people who didn't know to like stay hydrated. I mean, there were a lot of fans that were, um, you know, we did out- outdoor, you know, shows in Texas that were like 80, 90 degrees. And these fans were waiting outside for hours and not eating, not drinking. And then they come inside and, and stand in the sun um for hours and then like when we would start crowd would do their thing and people would shove and it would get hot and people were passing out left and right and like um one of the bad things was that like a lot of the newer people coming to shows don't really know how to handle those crowd situations appropriately like instead of instead of having the people around them help out they just kind of put their phone flashlights on and wave and and you know, make the yeah. band know there's an incident. So yeah, we were stopping shows all the time. But you guys did Blue Ridge, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, I was there with Seven Dust, and then I did a day to remember in the evening. Yeah, I think. Wait, no, that's not Blue Ridge. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wait. Yeah. yeah. That was, yeah, that was, that Blue was Ridge. Blue Ridge. Yeah. I saw you there, Jose. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, um, you know, Derek, maybe we've crossed paths because we played right after Ice Nine. I know, or maybe it wasn't right after. We were on the same stage that day. I was not with Ice Nine at the time. I believe that, uh, no, that wasn't LaPlante. I don't know who was with them at the this, time. This was like, this was, I think this was this previous September. Yeah. I didn't start with Ice Nine until November. And my, my okay, tenure, got it. my tenure with Ice Nine is short lived because I accepted another gig that takes me all, all throughout this year. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Blue Ridge was nuts. Like all the bands on main stage, it was, yeah, it was, it was, um, it was more rare for a band to play their set without stopping than, than not. I mean, like yeah. Ice Nine, Motionless, um, Slipknot. I can't remember who else was on those stages, but like pretty much everybody stopped their set because like that crowd was just out of control. Yeah. And, yeah. And, um, yeah. But like it was, it was like there were so many situations where like it was just like drunk people falling over and passing out. Like there was nothing wrong with them. They were just drunk. Yeah. And like they'd pass out and like the crowd would cause a scene and the band would stop. And it was just like, oh, well, they don't need medical attention. They're just, <laughs> well, they're just being dumb. That was happening all day. It was crazy. I mean, yeah, like when you put like that many people all day and then they're just drinking beer instead of water. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I think we were on like day three. So they had been at it for a few days at that point. Yeah. Yeah. When I, when I was there, there was definitely a point during the day where every band had to stop their set. I did remember had to stop their set like at least twice. Mm -hmm. uh, Gojira had to stop. Mudvayne had to stop. <laughs> like it was wild. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, like that was something we had to kind of calculate when we did, uh, when I did Pierce the Veil's New Year's Eve show, we had like a big balloon drop thing and like countdown that we timed, like we timed out the set to where, um, they would end like they, when they played their last song, they'd kind of end the song and then they'd do like an extended outro. Mm -hmm. So we had a time that they would end the song like right before midnight and then they do the countdown and they'd play the outro after midnight while the balloons came down and stuff. And we had to discuss like, okay, if there's one crowd stoppage and it lasts from this time to this time, we'll cut this song and we'll do this and this. If there's multiple crowd stoppages or if the crowd stoppage is this long, like like more longer than this time, then we'll do this and this. It's kind of crazy that we had to kind of like factor that into our show because, you know, and don't get me wrong, like, yes, there are medical situations that, that are very serious and people need help. But it's it's crazy how common it is now. Yeah, seems like it's happening way more now than it did like pre-COVID or like pre-Astro World. I think that's kind of what started all of it. Well, yeah, and obviously safety is paramount. We want to make sure that everybody everybody just goes to have a good time at all the shows. Um, mm -hmm. and we want. I don't want to speak for everybody. I want people to be empowered to be able to. If if something major is happening, I want people to be empowered to stop the show. Um, mm -hmm. But with that being said, like, you know, there's, there's, there's times where it was ha like the, the, the Trinity tour, it was happening once, twice, three times per band. And it's, it's just, I, I, I want anybody to feel empowered to stop a show, you know, if something is happening, but with that being said, you know, it needs to be an actual event that somebody's, that something is happening and i hope i don't come off as sounding insensitive when i say that but you know <laughs> yeah no no totally i <laughs> communication is also a big factor with that like i don't know if you guys have ever sat in any security meetings but i've, I've done quite a few because you know i'm uh heavily involved in the production side of things um but we kind of communicate like okay if this happens this is what we want to be the response and this is the person that will give us the go ahead to continue so a lot of those conversations are had you know hopefully yeah. beforehand maybe not always depending on who's you know running the show or steering the ship but um yeah i mean if if there's anybody who is doubting the safety of the crowd i think anybody should have the authority to say no we cannot continue until we know that everybody's okay you said so i think you made the right call <laughs> you said the thing about safety meetings and like uh oh yeah jose yeah. knows what i'm gonna talk about but i kind of made it my own thing when uh like the most recent not the the non-point tour that jose and i did together uh we 
we kind of left it up to venue security to handle like all the security details. Like Nonpoint's not they're they're fantastic dudes and I love them all to death. They're not the most famous people in the world, so there's there's not much of those security concerns when it comes to like you know, say somebody that's like Andy Black or, you know, somebody that's, you know, has like, I feel like a dick saying that. But like, you know, they're they're just they're regular people. They're nonpoint is a blue sure. collar band. And so there's one show in particular where this guy was just going around causing a fucking scene the entire time. And so then like uh, so then I ask, like, he gets in the face of like the bass player of the support band. And so then, and then, so then I go over to Javi and I'm like, Hey, is this guy going to be a problem? And he's like, nah, man, he's, he's cool. He's just, you know, he's just having some fun. And then I see him start to get into an argument with somebody else and he is about to swing. And so then mm-hmm. Javi goes, you know what? I changed my answer. This guy might be a problem. So then like, <laughs> so then I go over and like Jose, Jose and I walk over and Jose does the right thing. He goes to get security. And by the way, this is a roadie Friday. So I'm I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt this entire time. And so Jose does the right thing to go and get security to have security remove him. But I felt the danger was a little bit more imminent than that. And so like right as the guy cocked his arm back to swing, I took a I, I put a shoulder into the guy. And, oh boy. and so I end up removing him like at least down to the hallway and then allowing security to take it from there. But like Damn. after it got to like. After that show and for the rest of the tour, I made it a point to like go up to the security and like have my own impromptu security meeting. Like, you know, like if we say like if there's a problem, like if some if we tell you that somebody has to go, like there's no discussion about it. They have to go. You know, we're we're yeah. all here for everybody to have a good time, everybody to be safe. I don't want anybody to be assaulted. I don't I don't want any of that because ultimately, like everybody that's at the show, they just want to have fun. Yeah, and absolutely. And so, you know, at, at that point, I kind of took the reins and was like, OK, I'm going to be the one that handles, you know, handles this. And so I'd talk to the security. Uh, if you see myself or the tall, handsome, curly haired uh, Spanish dude, either one of us says that somebody has to go, uh, then they just have to go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've luckily never had to put hands on anybody, but I have I've had had people tossed. Um, oh, yeah, that's it's it's only happened a handful of times, but it's like if if someone's being a complete dick or like starting shit or yeah. like something I don't tolerate is like when men are putting their hands on women, um, without consent. Like I don't, oh, I yeah. don't tolerate that shit. So oh, yeah. I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not even the physically confronting type of person, but I saw that this was pretty eminent and like thinking about thinking back on it now, like I don't remember seeing a metal detector. I don't remember seeing them like pat down anybody to go into this show. And so I was like, like thinking about it afterwards, I was like, that could have been far worse. But oh yeah, totally. I mean, you know, I've, I've attended shows where I walk in, I'm just like, that was the weakest security check I've ever. Oh yeah, I've ever gone through. Like not not to be disrespectful, but like the entire time, like if, if something like that happens, I just want to say, if I say the name Dimebag Daryl to you, would any of you know what any of that means? And right, exactly. Like you know, there's there's got to be some kind of security screening process, something to go to a show but it appears as though we forget far too quickly yeah for sure it's like you know i've i've um i've been in some meetings where like you know like the head of security at the venue asks like okay if if someone gets on stage what would you like us to do and usually the answer is like well if someone gets on stage we have a bigger problem to deal with than like like the fact that that person was able to get on stage you know some people are not doing their jobs properly and that's that's something that i that i like to discuss with the band at the beginning of the tour like you know obviously the the venue security is they're going to be the point person but then like if somebody's literally on stage and you know i'm the last line of defense what would you like me to do and you know most of the time it's just like they they look at me like i'm dumb for asking but it's like you get them the fuck off and like, yeah, you know, I mean, I've seen video online where it's like, you know, some security guards are being a lot rougher than others or like crew members or whatever. And, you know, I, I don't know what their intention is. So, you know, I'm totally. I'm going to handle it as quickly as I possibly can and hopefully be as respectful as I can, because I want everybody to go home safe. But I, I don't know what your intention is. And if you're if you're about totally. to walk up to Spencer Charnas, you know, going to handle business. Mm. Yeah. Communication is so important. 
And um, yeah, those conversations definitely need to be had. Jose, how do you feel about this? <laughs> I just, I'm just imagining you handling business as you <laughs> just put it. Well, you like, you, I know that you were out like talking to security at that time, but like when I, when I went to talk to London and Frankie about it, they were like, yeah, we were just having a conversation amongst ourselves. And then we look over and you're fighting a dude. And I'm like, uh, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> especially in a Hawaiian shirt. Like imagine how that looked. <laughs> no, luckily it was, it was a quick little, well, that like, you know, got handled quickly enough and nothing, nothing escalated. But we know that Jose is, you know, a gentle giant for sure. One of the best people ever. Oh, yeah. but I feel like he could, he could fuck somebody up if he has to. Yeah. It comes, if it comes down to it, I want Jose in my corner, not anybody else's. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I would pit Jose against everybody else on the tour. So what oh, you're telling man. me is you're picking Jose for the kickball team. <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Home runs every single time. Man, that'd be great. I feel like this has been a downer podcast. Um, because the only question lighten it up. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm not gonna do it because the the question that I thought of this entire time was like, what's your current gripe with the business? Like, what's something that you uh, that that you know you could potentially see change in? And and you know, because obviously all of us have our difficulties and things within this business but if there's if if you had a magic wand and you were like this needs to change what's what's your, what's your what what are you pointing your magic wand at oh man that's a great question um there's a there's there's quite a few things i think a big problem i have is how not environment environmentally friendly it is um you know the amount of like plastic bottles we toss with just one sip of water taken out of it and uh, um, gas tape yes i mean diesel trucks you know like <laughs> You know, we're rolling with a bunch of trucks and buses and um, uh, random stuff like that. Um, I really don't like how it's not entirely a safe place for women. Um, yes, and women big. are definitely, uh, you know, in some ways discriminated against and not treated fairly. And, and, not, and very, definitely not given the same opportunities. Very, un- thank you. Very, very underrepresented in our industry. Definitely. Yeah. And there's still a lot of very close-minded people who work in this industry who think that like a woman can't do the same job as a men can. And it, that's, that's discouraging to see. Those are, I think those are my two biggest, biggest gripes, I guess. Yeah. Those are good ones. So, yeah. Uh, I'm definitely, yeah, I can definitely get on board with uh, being more inclusive to women and just other underrepresented groups of people, you know, uh, that's why I try. Like it's, it, it kind of sucks. Cause like on this podcast, we like, I make an, I try to make the effort to bring, you know, I thought like as diverse of a group of people, like well, I'm glad you asked like, me a straight white man. As guests. So happy. <laughs> well, but that's no, that's, that's, that's what I'm trying to get to. Like, so like it's, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of, it kind of sucks. Like, uh, that, that pool, like that pool of diversity isn't as diverse as, you know, we like we would want it to sometimes i agree i totally agree and, and i've worked with some some badass women some badass people of color yeah. some some badass people uh of the lgbtq community um as long as you can do the job it doesn't matter you it know? literally doesn't matter just do the job yeah yeah and and it sucks that like there I, I i have a great example of um i was working for a band who i will not name who um we needed a additional crew person halfway through the tour um and we were about to stop in the city that this person lived in and so um my tour manager asked like hey if you know anybody for this position let me know and i was like i have the perfect person and so he's like all right send me their contact info and then when he found out as a woman he was like no absolutely not that will not happen and i was like all right like you're missing out on hiring a person who will kill this job and like you're taking away that opportunity from them just because they're a woman like it's it sucks yeah that's stupid so hopefully um i think a lot of those like older like kind of old school thinkers are are kind of getting slowly uh phased out yeah and luckily like we're you know a lot of younger more open-minded people are kind of becoming the leaders of this industry it's it's nice to see 100 percent, and uh and and uh i i say this and, and i fully recognize that jose is one of my best friends in this industry but another reason that i wanted him as my like i could have asked so many other people uh that are like straight white dudes to help me host this podcast but jose like i wanted some representation so i felt jose would be and i there's many there's many reasons but i like just one of the stronger points was because jose is you know somebody that 
is underrepresented in this industry as well. Uh, totally. being, yeah. being a, a, what do you say? Hispanic? Like what, what's, what's the term? Yeah. Person of color. Yeah. Uh, Hispanic. Yeah. Hispanic, a uh, person of color. E- yeah. I've, I've heard counts, you know, but I prefer Hispanic. But like, I also, I don't like, I, I don't like, I don't want to also like go around and try to find guests like, Hey, you're black. Come on my podcast. Like, yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and, I get that. And we, we had, uh, we had Cody on our last podcast and you know, yeah. I, I wanted representation. I listened to it. It was great. Thank you. I wanted representation from the LGBT uh, community, but like, I didn't want that to be the focus. So I, I tried my hardest to not mention it at all until he brought it up. And, you know, once mm-hmm. he brought it up, it was like, well, you brought it up. Let's talk about it a little bit. And, totally. yeah. And, you know, I, I adore the fuck out of Cody. Uh, and I've, I've only met his mm-hmm. husband, Jack, once, but he was, he was great the, the time that I met him. But representation is absolutely a, 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 a big issue. And that's definitely, I'm, I'm, I'm totally on board, uh, with Jose about helping representation. Uh, and, and truly shedding light uh, on people that are underrepresented in this industry. Um, and that's something, and that's something that I did with, with not to bring up my last podcast again, but that's something that I tried to do with my last podcast as well was like, we did a whole episode about women in the music industry. And I made sure that it was like, it, it was myself and one of my co-hosts who was another cis white man. But then like we sat around and drank wine, uh, with all these, very powerful women over zoom and, you know, just had a conversation about how difficult it is to be a woman in the industry. But also I wanted to make sure that we really put the stamp on how awesome it is to be a woman in the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super empowering. And, and, um, it's a shame that it's not, um, more acceptable or they're not given as many, you know, opportunities. And, you know, we, we, yeah. we, we definitely, being a being a roadie, uh, at, at least from from an outsider's perspective, um, before I became one, I always saw it as a boys' club, you know. And I think that that's the general Absolutely. that's the general consensus. Like, if anybody sees a roadie, they think of like uh, somebody who looks like me, you know, bearded, white. Um, you need the ponytail, though. You know, I I, I can't <laughs> I can't grow my hair to save my life, but yes, a ponytail. But, I feel that, but like. And, and that's definitely like an image that I want to change. You know, Jose doesn't have a ponytail. He is. Look, look at his hair. Dan, look at his hair. What? I don't even know what that is. That's something. It's fantastic. Remember, that's what it is. Remember when we went to, uh, we went to Niagara Falls and it was like, just going. Oh my God. Yeah. Every it was direction. going everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> that was fantastic. Uh, that's where we took that, that famous, my favorite photo ever. The rainbow one. That you, that you took with the rainbow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I love it. Let me make that my, uh, my phone background. <laughs> Outstanding. Hey, Jose is a good person to have as a co-host because he's got that that deep, sultry voice. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Say it again. Oh, God. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know what? And, That's what I want. And when I'm editing it, uh, I, I will do my best to try to bring out the lower frequencies in both of you both of your guys's uh voices so that way you perfect. can sound like radio announcers the entire time perfect um, i want to sound very deep so dan what do you what do you got uh what do you got coming up that you can uh talk about uh obviously keep stuff that's yeah, not- or even if you about- can't talk about it we'll beep the oh, fuck out uh, of yeah, it and it's can- always super fun oh, yeah we can we okay we share cool. secrets all the time <laughs> all right like um, like like i can say here because it's gonna get beeped that So the stuff I have that I can talk about, uh, I'll be going out with Beartooth in a few weeks. Uh, we're doing a headliner in Europe with Motionless and White and Straight from the Path. And then we pretty much go straight from that to a co-headline with Trivium in the US. And then after that, we go to Australia for a co-headline with Pierce the Veil. And then back to Europe for festivals and headliners. And then um, uh, I might potentially also go back to Biscuit. But they're a little more sporadic with their touring. They don't really do like tours. They kind of just do like dates here and there because they don't have to. <laughs> yeah, they don't have to. They don't have to, man. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So like they've they've just been announcing like random festival dates here and there, and so they've let me know like you know anytime you want to come back, please do. So I, I might go do that just because those are they're just fun. 
you know, but Beartooth and Biscuit are both doing Blue Ridge. So like, it'd be cool. And like for Beartooth, it would just be a fly in fly out type of thing. So it'd be really cool if I could do Biscuit then too, because that would be like such a huge show, but we'll see. That's what's on the books for now. Um, what about you guys? Uh, I'm under an NDA, but, and, uh, and like, I would have loved to do ice nine for, for a longer term. Jose, what about you? Yeah, for me, uh, I don't really, I, I know at least as far as, as the summer, uh, but basically I'm doing ultra bridge and seven dust mm-hmm. till June, basically, uh, maybe two weeks ish off and then go off on the second leg of the ultra bridge us tour, then have a few weeks off and then. I have two festival dates uh, with Seven Dust that you'll be on with Beartooth. Yeah, dude. Oh so my I'll god! See you, I'll see you there. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll be doing Seven Dust in May, and then Alter Bridge is going to Europe in June, and that's when I'll be back with them. Okay. So I'll be doing the festivals in June with them. I'm leaving it all in and I'm ruining your careers. <laughs> <laughs> I will not be happy. I, no, well, I didn't spoil. Well, I did spoil. Stuff. No, I, I can't. When does this come out, by the way? Uh, as soon as I get... Uh, so basically what happens is uh, as soon as I'm done, I edit it. I send Jose a copy. I send you a copy. As soon as you guys sign off on it or you give me feedback notes, whatever. Uh, as soon as I get feedback notes back from both of you, I usually post it the next day. So I could almost like veto this and like hold it off for a little yeah. bit. Yes. <laughs> Cause I was going to yeah. say one of those tours is getting announced on Sunday. All right. Um, then I'll, so if it, I mean, it probably won't be done like being edited or I probably won't have listened to it before Sunday anyway. Okay, so, cool. still. Yeah. So bear tooth, pierce the veil, Australia. Hell yeah. It's going to be fun. I'm actually doing both. I am double dipping for that. I'm doing both bands. Sick. At least that's the plan. Okay. And so, I mean, if you want me to hold, like, you can, you can message me, you can message Jose, whatever. If you need me to hold on to the episode or hold off, like, it's fine. Like, you know, I'm not here to ruin anybody's careers. I'm just here because I like talking to the homies, you know? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Respect. Anybody else have anything else? Like, I got nothing to say. This is a, this is a cool. Uh, I hope we run into each other this year. I know we're all kind of, uh, you know, doing similar stuff. The, the the paths always cross, you know. Yeah, at some point, or they yeah. don't, or the, or they get super close and we miss each other by one day, well, you know. I don't. We'll figure it out if, if we run into yeah. each other. I'll come and say hi, but. Well, I'll come to one of your shows. You come to mine, you know. Fuck yeah, I'm always we'll hang out. I'm always down for that. Yeah. All right, and Jose. Hopefully, I'll be. Well, I'll be seeing you in April, right? Yeah, see you in April. Hell yeah, that's gonna be fun. Take care of yourselves. Hey. It's been an absolute pleasure, man. Thank you guys so much for having Fuck me yeah, on. Yeah, man. Anytime. It was, it was an honor. Yeah. yeah so thank t- you for asking. The, uh, the pleasure was all ours. Do we hang up now, or, or how does this work? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you wanna, if you wanna stay on, if you wanna stay on, you can. Uh, we're hanging up. Okay. Cool. Thank you for listening to the Roadie Friday podcast. Have a question or an idea? Email us at roadiefridaypod at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Theme music by Ricky Armelino. Editing and production by Darren Makins.